This year is brought to you by Eshel Publications. Eshel Publications is a non-profit organization dedicated to spreading the Torah, Shiurim, and Sefarim of Rabbi Aaron Lapiansky. For sponsorships or more information, visit eshelpublications.com. We did discuss before the Rashida came what issues we're grappling with, you know. Let me see what issues he's not grappling with. Then we'll try it. You know, and some things came out. Does anybody, issues they grapple with? A lot of people talk about Shovavim. Yeah. So what's the source for Shovavim and Shmir Sabris and... We also brought up that Shmuel's Abris seems to have two approaches. <laughs> it's out there, a very aggressive approach with a lot of incentives to stay away. But then there's the approach, it seems to be, of like, Khatas Neurim, leave it alone, you know, it's the focus on Lima Torah, that the, the Ramam says, So maybe what is Shovim and what is the uh, approach that we could uh, teach? to approach a helpful point. So, let, let's, um, okay, the, the Iser, the Iser of Hirhurim is a Doraistic Iser. The level of Chumrah that's attributed to it, we know from Sifri Kabbalah. There's here and there in Gemara, but mostly from Sifri Kabbalah. The Balatanya explains, Balatanya deals with what seems to be a conflict in the way Sifri Kabbalah describe it, and with tremendous Chumrah, and the way in which um, in Halacha it has less. And he explains that because it's something that's given to do tshuva totally, that's why its place is more in Kabbalah, so it's Hummer before a person does tshuva. It's possible to, to do totally with tshuva and all this. You have to take care of it. That's more or less the way Bautani explains it. There's more to it, but I, I want to try to stick to it being as, as soon as possible. The, the, so definitely in, it's, it's an important Indian. A lot of its significance is brought out more in the Sifri Kabbalah than in the Sifri Halacha. And Therefore, and therefore, maybe parallel to that, the way in which it's dealt with is, is, is very, very different in the more Hasidic world, or much of the Hasidic world, and the Yeshiva world, the Litvish Yeshiva world. Everyone, everyone believes that Kedusha and Taira is extraordinarily important. The question is, shall we grapple this head on because we want Kedusha to be the point of that everything revolves around? Do we tell a person what use is your learning if you're Tommy and thinking of who knows what? Or do we do it the other way around? And do we say, stick to learning, get into that, and the Ketusha will drive out any tumor? It's the way the Ramam says it. The, the approach to Messiris that we have from our Bayim, starting from the Goyen onwards, is the second approach. That, um, that, that, uh, the more a person gets um, a fire and a passion in learning, the best way to replace any other passion is to have a passion for learning, for mitzvahs, for avodah, and so on and so forth. It means that you may have a few more, um, a, a few more times that you stumble, but in the end, you will have a very powerful, positive sense 
as opposed to just struggling. I once read something very fascinating. If a typist types at a speed that is slow enough not to make mistakes versus typing at a speed that's very quick but correcting the mistakes later. Now, this was before there was something called autocorrect and, and whatever else they have. When, when you actually had to look over and see, um, you actually can go a lot more, you, it's a lot more efficient and a lot quicker to type quickly and correct mistakes than to type slowly at a pace they won't make mistakes. It's a fascinating, um, it, it's a fascinating uh, I, 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 I phenomenon. I guess it's very similar in, in, in this way to, to in, in our Masaurus of what's the best way to approach it. Let us go very strong in a very positive way, push ourselves to get to enjoy learning, to thrill learning, to, to really, really have passion. How do you do that? What? How do you do that? Yeah, straight up. What? So, okay, good point, good question. A, um, persevere. Get, get, to, get to, when you're learning, there should be a lot of give and take. What did you say? Why did you say? Does it make sense to me? Go. If the learning is animated, spoken, animated, and discussed, argued, you tend to get it. Rabbi Salanta says sometimes we have to mix a bit of the poison of wanting to be right. Rabbi Salanta said, "Apimusa, persons always want to look for the truth, but it's important for a tachlis to try to mix in." You do want to be right. You do want to win an argument with another person. People like to win arguments. People like to be more right than the other person. When you introduce that, that's why in yeshivas there was, again, there's always a measure. Like, ah, he said a good kasha. He's the one who understands. It creates a little bit of an uncomfortable feeling. And that level of shalom is helpful. At the end of the day, hopefully people just get excited it, it, listen, there's, a, there's a, an, a very steep uphill climb until um, you get enough, in, enough knowledge and skill to be there. I, I have a good exercise here. Walk into yeshiva like the me yeshiva and take a look at people sitting and learning. They all, many of them, the most of them, look very, very into it. Why? Manishtana. What? But th- th- and they're also further ahead. They're also further ahead in, in the learning. So when, you, when you're translating the words, when you're trying to figure out the sentences, when you're trying to, you know, to get the basics, it's rough. It's very hard to argue what a word means. It's not really where it's going to, where you're going to express it. But as time goes on, and you, you, once you get to a point where you can actually think about something, say something about the topic itself, it begins to become exciting. So you, you, you look for that, you gather enough information and skill, and when you get there, that, that creates that excitement. And time and again, that's, you know, I, my muscle, when I was learning Mi Yeshiva, it's hard to say that everybody that came into Mi Yeshiva was a sparkling London into it. That there wasn't a description of a typical boy who came in. Some yes, some very not, some somewhere in the middle. My muscle was like, you ever see, like you have a large bathtub and a hole, 
and the water, it's very close to the hole, goes very quickly. The water around goes slowly, 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 but as it begins to swirl quicker and quicker and quicker, it gets, it, it gets absorbed in. Once, the more, the further along you go, the more it energizes. You begin to understand, you begin to be able to say something that you can be proud of, you begin to be able to argue and, and so on. Yes? So to get like further along, right? Like how should you learn Gemara if you know you're beginning out right now? Like should we learn Be'kiyut, you know, go through most of the things, or should we just go Be'kiyut? So both are important, but, but let me tell you what I think in either case is a very important uh, exercise. And I would say to make the Gemara three-dimensional, which means like this. When you're reading words on a piece of paper, it's somewhere between one to two-dimensional. If you visualize it, let, let's give an example. Let's say you have a chavruta, I don't know where you're holding in terms of, let's say you're doing tosfos. When you finish, if you could sort of have the same argument, you, you, let's review the Torah by doing the argument. The Gemara says this and this, I don't understand how you could say this and this. Doesn't it say something else differently? And you answer, well, don't you see the difference in these two, two cases? That case is like this, and this case is like that. And I'll ask you, do you have any proof of that? You're just saying you're off the top of your head and say, yes, there's another Gemara like this. If you're able to put conversation into it, I always, my fantasy was teaching elementary Gemara to kids to have them act out the Gemara in terms of an argument. Th- these are two, back, there's a back and forth. And when you're visualizing, and you're trying, and you're trying to sort of, you feel each one saying, so Tosis is a back and forth. It's not a, a, a statement. So Tosis's question should be, a, a, I don't stand. What is Gemara saying? And then there's a reply to it. Where, what are you comparing? They're very different, these two cases. And then Tosis brings a right from place. You know, which means Tosis felt the need to prove it. It's a nice, it's a nice idea, but where do you see anything like it? Tosis is proving it. If you could, so if you if you do it yourself, most people, but if you do it even with a chavruta, to do that way, if it's same with the Gemara. If you try to say back and forth in your own words, it, it, it creates you get a sense of, of of a thing rather than just words being translated. So both in Eun and Bikius, once you I think both both of them could work. It, it's 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 something that 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 could work because it is like that. You know, the shackle of a tire, the back and forth, are two people, even if it's the same person, it's two people, each one living, uh, you know, I know saying something. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. Um, where, would you, where would you put um, video games on a like, sort of like bringing you down with so, I think anything that engages a person, a person needs to ask himself, what am I doing? Why am I doing? Let's give an example. Is there anything halakhically wrong with spending your life on the beach, private beach, not a public beach, <laughs> sitting with your feet in the air and twiddling your thumbs? The answer is, there's nothing specifically halakhically wrong, except why are you killing yourself? Where's your life going to? What's the purpose of your life? Something a lot more fundamental than individual halakha. On the other hand, if you work hard, your blood pressure's up, 
and you go to the beach and, and you lay there for an hour, that's, that's very good. It sort of calms you down, eases you, relaxes you, and you're able to do what you're supposed to do. A person asks himself, what am I devoting my life to? For instance, if you are a very hard-driven businessman, and your life is making money, that's, that's what, who you are and what you are, then what's wrong with video games is, because there's no money made out of it. You know, what, what, what's the point of it? A person has to ask himself, what's the point of my life? And now, video games, and unfortunately, everything in, 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 in non computers is made by very smart people whose goal in life is that you just sit there forever playing it. That's the, I, and there was somebody in Yeshiva by us, in Silver Spring, very bright boy, very nice boy, you know, well-intended kid, never showed interest in learning. I couldn't figure it out. You know, sometimes somebody's not capable, so I understand. Somebody's not serious about it. He was, everything was, all the boxes checked, and there was something numb. And when I would sometimes sit and learn with him, he responded well. You know, he, he, he didn't have, and then he came back one summer, and I asked him, so-and-so, um, what'd you do all summer? He says, Rebbe, I vegged out. So I said, what does that mean? He said, I sat with a video game. You know, kosher, very kosher, just, you know, it, putting boxes in the squares and squares in the boxes, which everyone does make it, make, makes a little difference. So, so a person needs to ask himself anything which numbs your mind and gives nothing in return, that's, that's in a strong way the, the ultimate poison. Um, you need to, um, so it, 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 it's something which is relaxing. The clown is anything which is relaxing that sucks you in is, is bad news to relax with. Anything, anything that's relaxing and allows you to return back to, 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 to life is, is good. Yes? Um, how do you deal with Shmirs and I in the world of uh, not so Shmirs and I am <laughs> So, A, the first thing is a person learns. The Gemara says, In other words, the Gemara makes a distinction between things that you have to and things that you don't have to. It's one of the one of the problems when you sit in the base medish, so Bar Hashem, base medish is is, is, a, is a place that that's clear and clean and so on. When you walk out and there are things that you are involved in, um, it doesn't mean that now everything's okay. Whatever a person has, the person sitting in office, there are men and women there, whatever he has to be exposed to, because that's the normal part of life. Akadish Baruch Hu is helpful. Things that I look for myself, so now if I go to the movies. So Kachbaru didn't ask me to go to movies, and and there's no no guarantees on that. Person learns to pull back what he can. Person learns there's a big difference between seeing a woman and staring at a woman. Between you know all of these things are things that um, a person. So it's more subtle. It's not as 100% perfect, but it still is a very very a, a, a extraordinary undertaking of kedusha. Yeah. Maybe what could be certain gedolim in the workplace? She was just mentioned about women. Uh, women. How do we make sure that we, that we keep our distance? So a lot of first thing is choosing the workplace and the atmosphere in it. There are different workplaces. They have different atmospheres. There's a lot of times in the story that this place is considered to be an extremely glamorous workplace. This other place is not. But the culture of one place versus the culture of the other place is two different worlds. That's an insight. 
you're learning to, to, to identify where is the culture very hefka. And the second thing is creating the sense of distance with other people. Um, a person's attitude towards women should be polite, correct, menschlich. That's it. It's not engaging. The type of conversation we have with a friend doesn't belong there. It's the person's personal life, sharing feelings, and this is a problem even, even with from well-intended people who were not out for anything and they're dressed well and everything. A woman tends to be warm, tends to be conversational, tends to be engaging. That's, that's how Kach made the nature of a woman. Um, your job is to put up the shmira, that to, to say to yourself, this, I need to be courteous, menschlich, polite, everything. Um, I need not, I need to not engage in any type of emotional bond. So I have someone who told me, okay, but I, that, I gotta be normal, I gotta be natural. How can, how can I be natural if I can't have regular conversation? You know, it's natural to eat chazer also. It's natural to do everything. It's part of, it's natural not to wear yarmulke. It, it, part of being a yid is, just like, let me give you an example, and, and we'll take it. There are people who station in life, you don't consider it to be natural to, to be involved with them. And, and, and you know, you, you have no problem with not being involved because it's just not your cup of tea. So, so this, is, this is the same thing, it's, it's not. So this person will look at you as being snobbish, aloof. So be it. That, that's the that's the you know the, the, the that's a level of nisayin that a person has to be able to stand. Maybe we add or is it too extreme to say that um, not to call someone by the first name, a so, girl by the first so, name. So that's a problem. If if in the workplace everyone calls this woman Maria. You call her Mrs. O'Connor, it's strange. But the, the word, let's understand something. Certain things are symbols. In other words, when I call somebody by a first name, then, then, um, then it means something in a society. In, in, if I walk over in Eretz to a Choshev Rav and I call him Yankel, it means that I know him from the day we were one day old and I didn't realize someone else is listening. There's no way in which I would call a chash or a person yankel unless it's that circumstance. In America, any professional person that deals with me calls me Aaron. That's, that's, that's the norm. The doctor's Aaron. Aaron, how are you Aaron today? It's, that's, so, so using the word means nothing. Um, in, in a from society, calling a woman first name means she's your daughter or your wife. In, in the office, that's her name. Um, and, and now we're getting to what the pronouns are. But now at least we're, 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 dealing, we're dealing with the first name. So it means nothing. An emotional engagement, telling a woman, asking how do you feel about something, and having most of us women, is, is an engagement on any level. It, it, it stirs some part of you to connect to the other person. So, so, so there's a big difference between things that are symbolic, um, sending a flower to a woman. The community is about to get engaged. It means that the secretary on her birthday always gets flowers. It means nothing other than the standard that the computer spits it out. In other words, symbols are very much um, dependent on what the society around has. 
there are things that transcend that, and, and it's uh, like in, in Allah sometimes, yeah, this is Be'etzim Maisikinyan, this is Ba'askama. And a type of conversation I have with somebody that's beyond polite stuff is, is, is a relationship. And that's, and, and that's something a person needs to stay away from. Yes? Um, it's a question that's a, a challenging question, basically about smartphones. You know, I, I'm older, I didn't grow up with a smartphone, so I have a phone now that I weighs WhatsApp and you know, all these super kosher smartphones. But most of the guys here, 12 years old, they've had a phone, maybe younger. And, you know, it's like an extension, it becomes an extension of your brain, it becomes a, a constant <laughs> companion. I tell guys, you know, before before you touch, before you reach your phone, say modani. Maybe you don't reach it right there, and you don't reach it your phone. It also has modani on it, <laughs> and, and, and in the better phones, it says modani for you. Do you, you put it on. It and, <laughs> so the question is, is there a real, like, a realistic goal for a guy, a bedtower to have? He's had a smartphone since he's twelve. It's part of his life. A realistic goal and how to get there. Because you know, when we are now, you live with it all the time, you know, you know they have these screen time. How, how much per act, how much, you know, uh, some guys say, everybody don't have time to learn, I don't have time for everything I want to do. So you dive you in Hashem, you say, you dive in Hashem, ask for five hours a day, extra time. So what that means is, if your phone breaks, you get five hours extra a day, and then you have money. <laughs> you know, so a, a, what, what would a realistic goal be that a guy should have? And some hadrocha, how to get there. So, you know, it, it is the challenge of, of our times, and I, it's going to like the video game. I think the first, I, I think the most important message yourself is taking control of your life. Ask yourself, understand, you are not in control of your life when something else is controlling you. It's just like the way, let, let's give an example. Let's take something very different, eating. If a person um, has a problem with sugar, with, with fat, with high blood pressure, low blood, whatever it is, the doctor tells him you've got to stop eating this or that or the other thing. Okay, so that's a medical issue. But let's say a person's got some disorder and he can't, he can't look at something on the table without grabbing and eating it. So the person needs to tell himself, not that it's not healthy to eat these crackers and this, and this yogurt. The person says to himself, get a life. You, what does it mean every time there's, a, there's something on the table, you run for it. You, you're, you, you're chained. You're addicted. And, and, and the idea of being a free person is, is something that's caught us. Understand ourselves, I cannot do things because I'm always reaching to see who's texted me. Why does somebody have the right to, to, to keep me on, on a leash? And if you make a breakthrough even for an hour or two hours, when no matter what, to get to a point when it's the other way around, you devote two hours a day, three hours a day to answering this, answering that. And if people get upset, so be it. But understand that you're converting from an avid to, to, to somebody who is a free person. I mean, going back three generations, two and a half generations ago, my brother, Rabbi Nachman Vavitz, was once sitting in Basin Talmud, he learned from Heidi Sakra. And Rechaim Yitzhak, Talmud, the old mirrors, Rabbi Yochum's Talmudim, who came to America after a war, they established yeshiva that was considered the mirror incarnate. That was the mirror. a small yeshiva. So my brother was sitting with the mashkir Rechaim Yitzhak, and the phone rang. 
And Reb Chaim wasn't was oblivious. So he thought Reb Chaim doesn't hear so well. He's you know whatever. So he says Reb Chaim, the, the phone's ringing. Reb Chaim says, "Who's the balabas? Me or him?" Like the phone is telling me I have to run pick up the phone. I'm talking to you. I'm not available. So the fact that the phone is is ringing, why is that? Why is that make me jump and run for it? If a person works in that nekuda, then then he becomes and he signs. How much? What do I need to do over there? When do I need to be available? How much? And it's it's on my terms, not on the phone's terms. It's a, it's a, it's a it's a, it's a, it's a, it's, a, it's an idea that I think if you hammer home on it and you start by creating <coughs> islands that you will do this only from then to then. You will not touch the phone during Seder. And you, it'll be off any pack. And if somebody says, you know, I tried all morning, you say, oh, I, I, I happen to be working then. I'm not available then. Um, and so on. But, you know, if, if a person keeps stoking his sense of independence, his sense of being a gopher, his sense of being a person, we have some positive force that's driving us. Yeah. Like, maybe one last question, and, uh, but uh, I, I know that for uh, out of, uh, admiration, the group works on their language. There's even something called a curse jar. That if somebody would curse God forbid, they put money into it, and there's an incentive. Can um, you comment on the value of, of proper language? And also, there are words that are not necessarily curses, but are street language, language borrowed from a. Uh, Black culture, and maybe and language that refers to the black culture. Are these worthy to stay away from, um, or is it that's not necessarily we'd have to work on? And what is what is it about language that maybe affects us? Um, so let's let's talk a minute about language and imagine a, a person has um, a drill. A drill is a motor. And it's um, and it just you know goes re- re- it it rotates very quickly, strongly. That's what a drill is. What the drill will accomplish has a lot to do with the bit rather than the motor. If the bit is 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 a certain type of bit, it will not be able to affect concrete. It will spl- the other one will splinter wood. A third one will only make big holes that are useless. For putting screws into it, and so on. The bit is really the specific job that we accomplish with it. The mind is the raw brain power. But what, but but what it applies itself to, how it applies itself, is the language. And if your language is coarse, then then then, then you're living a coarse life. If the only reply that you can give somebody is a coarse reply, then that's your interaction. You mean well, and what? What does that mean? Coarse well, I can't. I, I don't have a curse job, but if you can borrow, if I could borrow some of your curses, I, I, I will tell you exactly what it means. You know, it's using th- those words come from um, a a desire to to display a certain roughness, um, a certain unrefinement. You, it, it's it's sort of in your face. Kind of thing. It's sort of you know that that's what it's an expression of. It it's uh, and and, um, and 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 that's the quality of your life. Even though inside you might be good and wonderful and so on. So so language is really the expression 
of, 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 of self and the type, a person who has poor vocabulary, a normal, you know, just, just a few words, his mind might be very keen, but he has a real problem bringing things to light because he can't express it. The reason why Lashon Kodesh is, is, the, is, the, is the language of Hashem created the world in is because it expresses Kedusha best. And the Rambam Mordechai says that Lashon Kodesh has no innate coarse words. Certain words have been borrowed to mean things that are, that are, that are coarser, but it innately doesn't have it. It's a language that fits Kedusha perfectly. That's the way we need to, 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 um, to, to, to look at language. We, we become the person we are by the language we use. We might mean well, we, we might think well, but if we can't express it in a way that's fine, um, then, then of course. What defines something that is fine and that is fine, that could just be challenging out there? Well, and it, well you can say w- w- language people on the street use tends to be coarse. Language you use in a base medrash, people based medrash, you, 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 you can intuitively feel the difference. You, what type of things do you talk about? What terms, do you, where do you borrow the terms from? You know, it, there's obviously, the, you know, between the bathroom and the bedroom. That's, that's where most of the terms come from. Why? There's a reason for that. Um, you know, because it, it sort of is kind of the most shocking, revolting, in-your-face language. That's why that's where these terms come from. Um, it, 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 it be, being able to, to, to use terms that don't come from there, that come from a, from a, a finer sense of things, it gives, it makes you a finer person, a refined person. What determines those things as being finer? I'm sorry? What, what, what determines those, those kind of words being uh, more Be- finer than, than what other, pe- other people might call not? Well, it, but there's, there's a reason why people who don't work on themselves, have no ruchni take a sense to themselves, instinctively grab for a certain genre of words. In all languages, you could, there's a common denominator that all these words are, like I told you, from the bathroom and the bedroom, uh, and maybe some violent words as well. And those are people that arguably are not very ruchni people, and people that you would look up to as ruchni people, they have a very strong filter and the type of words they would use. One would say, you know what? There's a reason why, in a formal, um, in a very formal, dignified setting, certain words wouldn't be used. Why? Um, you know, there, there's a reason for that because people still feel it's not appropriate. So, so this 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 president or senator might curse like a truck driver when he's off the camera, when he thinks he's off the camera. But on the camera, in the, in the rotunda, and in, in the official inauguration, I'll never use those words. Why? Because we do divide formal, dignified, to informal, not dignified, and coarse. We have an intuitive feel for it. Yes? The last question, because then we're going to take a break and have Shir for half hour before the question and session. Yeah. I'm sorry? I'm sorry, I'm not finding through your question. I'll have it. I'll tell you to have it. What? Stand up. Right. In the what? In the Piquet Davot? In the Chobot Alpha Vot, yeah. When Uchai emphasizes the importance of studying theology and philosophy, 
started saying basic uh, basic a few days ago. And he said he brings the king from the Torah to show that it's a heel in everyone everyone to study this. So like why is this in the Shivat nowadays such such a like hidden topic that people barely talk about it, only like on social media. So the Gro writes about it. the question is we do need to understand the basis for Yiddishkeit. The question is what language, what what structure is appropriate. The Chovas al Bavis and in, in you know his first shahar goes about it using the old type of philosophy and create the structure of it. It's something which today speaks to nobody. The Goyen says that the Kuzari would be an appropriate safer instead. Um, it is a little bit understated in yeshivas today. And it could be, people should be learning things. I would think Derek Hashem Ramchal is probably the, is probably the safer and will give you the best structure for understanding it in, in, the, in the language that today we're, we feel expressed to us. So yes, there should be more. Like everything, in, in big structures, you tend to get some sort of distortion, but it's definitely important people should be learning it, yes? I, I, I want to be brief because I know we have to finish. Sure. Just to crystallize what we were talking about before, I'm sorry, one of the guys that, that asked this question is not even here right now, but maybe it'll get back to him. Um, he asked, okay, fine, I, I know this is the right thing to control my language, but I, I don't want to shed my personality, so how do I get there? I know that's the right thing. Kurzjaw is a nice way, but, but... So, so look, in other words, personality is something that when we become used to something, we become attached to it, even though down deep it's not who we want to remain. Let's give an example. When a little kid graduates elementary school and goes to high school, he's happy he's going to high school, but he's a little bit sad he's in elementary school. It's hard to depart. Kid becomes a mitzvah. He still would like to be a little kid somehow, and he likes to be a big kid. Down deep, if we're sitting here and you're shana bet and shana gimel, you would like to be something refined, better. You look at people who are serious at home, and this is much more you want to be like. You, you, you're, you're still attached. It's like somebody has an old shirt that he's fond of, but he knows it's 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 not going to stay forever. Learning, understanding that as you move into a new mold. You'll become more and more comfortable with it. At some point, you're going to be embarrassed with the old mold. You're going to you're going to actually say to yourself, you know, uh, well, I can't imagine I was ever like that. But it's, so you know, keeping understanding that you want to um, you want to be a different person, and it's hard because we tend to be attached to things that have have grown with us. But if we understand that when we get into this new mold. I once heard from somebody, a very good muscle, many years ago. Someone said, I hate apples. And it's really, thank God I hate apples. Because if I'd like apples, I would eat them all the time. And I really hate them. So I'm so happy I don't like apples. And, and, and it, it's a lot of times that that's, that type of logic is what sort of guides us. We know what we were. We know what like to be. We're scared of becoming what we like to be because we're still attached to what we were and what we are to some degree. But when you become what you will become, then what you was will become a memory. And 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 you know, does Hashem, you'll be you'll be very happy with the person you became. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you very much.
the shira will get together in their in their places. Fifteen minutes, fifteen minutes, or a half hour, or ten minutes for a half hour dance session.